You are listening to the Running With God podcast. More than nominal Christianity. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Running With God podcast. I am your host, Coach Darby, and I am thrilled to be back with you for another episode. Uh, We're looking at what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And so far in this series, we've talked about what it looks like to abide in Christ and what it looks like to connect with other believers. And we're finally getting to that third and final relationship, which is sharing the gospel with the rest of the world and how we as Christians and Christ followers relate to the rest of the world. And I got to be honest, I know I'm a little late doing this episode of the podcast. Life has gotten the best of me here recently, but in a good way. Um, As many of you know, I work in a school system and we're winding down with the school year and, and we've had the pandemic to deal with and we're finally coming out of the pandemic, but we've had all the normal things that we usually would do to wrap up a school year, all the award ceremonies and all of the diploma handing out and and getting the schools ready to be cleaned over the summers and having floors stripped and rewaxed. It's just been ooh, it's just been a busy time in my life, but in a good way. I'll be honest with you. Um recently I was asked to fill in for our pastor at my church because he had surgery. And so I took a couple weeks off from the podcast and prepared a Sunday morning message. I was actually given the Mother's Day message. Um, that was what I was propositioned to provide the message for. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I was nervous. It wasn't anything like this. You know, I do put some preparation into a podcast, but. To me, it was just this extra level of accountability to be responsible for the morning message for a sermon at my church on Mother's Day of all day. So I put all of my attention, all of my focus on it and, and being the Christ follower and that I am and, and trying to seek counsel from a holy God, he, he answered the call. And he delivered me from what would have been a scary situation. And I can honestly say that, you know, I, I told God in my prayer life, I said, God, I can't I can't do this on my own. I need you to make me an empty vessel. I need you to give me the words to speak and help me to deliver a God-breathed message on that Mother's Day morning. So I put my podcast aside for a week or two and really focused on that. And I'm just so thankful for a God that answers prayer. And he answered my prayer in a great way gave me the words to speak, gave me what, and I might be a little biased, but I think it was a pretty good message. At least the feedback I got from my congregation was really good. But that really excited me because it's exactly what we're talking about in this podcast today is what it feels like to share the gospel with others. And I'm going to start by giving you a number. I'm an old math teacher, so I'm a numbers guy. But think about this number for a minute, a million, right? You can probably visualize a million. I mean, we live in a country where there are millionaires, meaning that they have millions of dollars. And when you think about a million dollars, you're probably like me. You're like, man, if I just had a million dollars, I could do so much with just one million dollars. I don't even need multiple millions. Just give me one million. I could pay my house off. I could pay off any debt I have. I could do some good in the world. And I want want to give you something to think about. Let's say that you're a lower class or a middle class citizen, and you're trying to save up a million dollars. 
If you were to set aside $45,000 a year and never spend a penny of it, $45,000 a year, it would take you 22 years to finally accumulate a million dollars. 22 years. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a long time. Not to mention the fact that that $45,000, you are going to have to set it aside every year and never spend a penny of it. It would take you 22 years to do that. But let's change the number. What if we changed a million to a billion? A billion with a B. I mean, that's a thousand millions. I mean, I don't understand how people accumulate that much money. I mean, if you were to take that same schedule of setting $45,000 aside every year, it would take you 22,000 years to accumulate a billion dollars. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to even wrap my mind around. And there are literally people out there in the world that have that much money tied to their name. I mean, it's just astounding when you really think of how large that number is. So, so where am I? What's the point I'm making? Why am I talking about numbers on a, on a podcast that's all about the gospel? Well, I'm about to get to my point. So that number, you know, we've looked at a million and now we've crossed over and we're starting to talk about a billion. Here's my point. On this planet right now, based on the best research that I've got, there are 7,800,000,000 people. 7,800,000,000 people. That's the total population of the world as I sit here right now making this podcast. So think back to just how big that is. Every single number that's a part of that total is tied to a soul. It represents a person, a human being, somebody that is walking, living, and breathing right now. And here's the critical truth of that number. Those 7,800,000,000 people, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's kind of like what I've heard said on HGTV before. It's all about location, location, location. Where are they going to be setting up shop for eternity? Because this life on the grand scheme of the timeline is very minimal compared to where you're going to be spending the next hundred thousand or maybe even million years of eternity, right? Each one of those in that number represent a soul. And Paul has something pretty profound to say about that number, and it comes from Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And I'm going to read a few verses. I would invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and we're going to be reading clear through verse 18. So Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the scripture says. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Now, at this point, I want to kind of back up in that same line of Scripture, and I want to go back to what Paul said in verse 14. 
He said, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Now, those are some pretty penetrating and powerful questions because they force us to think about that staggering number, 7,800,000,000 people. Each one of those 7.8 billion people needs to hear the good news of the gospel to receive the free gift of salvation offered by Christ Jesus, our King. But how will they call out to Christ unless they believe in Him? And how will they believe in Him unless they hear the good news about Him? And how will they hear the good news of the gospel unless someone tells them? I've got a secret. Once again, all of those people, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. That includes me and you. That includes our loved ones. That includes our neighbors and the people that are on the interstates as you drive to work each morning. It includes people who voted the same way as you did in the last election. It even includes those who voted for the other side. It includes every single person in every single country across the globe. Every single person needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm not throwing these numbers at you in an attempt to upset you. I'm, I'm exposing the reality of the world and just how gigantic it is and how dense the population of the world is at this moment. Um, studies show that if you go to any major city in the United States, most major cities, if you just put them all in one big pot and you look at the Atlantas and the Los Angeleses and the Las Vegases and the New Yorks and the Chicagos of the world, most studies would show that between 90 and 95% of people in nearly every major city, especially in the Western United States, are not followers of Jesus. But statistics like that aren't limited to the most unchurched region in America. This is an epidemic of lostness and unbelief that's all over America, and if we're being real, all over the planet, too. So I'm not hitting you with these numbers to upset you, but they are very real and they're very in-your-face as Christ followers. And I'm walking through this with you, and I'm understanding my best to the best of my ability the seriousness of this situation as well. But I hope that this also gets you excited and gets you motivated and gives you a sense of urgency because it's alarming that so many people in the world are lost and that the world's population is as dense as it is. But there is an answer. So the real question here is, what's the plan? I mean, we can see the need, but what is God's plan to tell the world about the gospel? What's God's plan to tell this where you live, in your community, or in your city, or in your suburb? Well, the answer to these questions might surprise you, but here it is. Here's the, here's the plan. It's us. We're the plan. You and I are the plan. Let me say this one more time just so that it sinks in. You and I are the plan. We are God's plan to tell the world about His love, and the truth of the gospel is centered on everyone seeking to live as a Christ follower. The plan of God is is that the whole church take the whole gospel to the whole world. One of my favorite pastors, David Platt, says it like this, there is no plan B. You and I are plan A, and there is no plan B. So if we fail to take the gospel to the world, then the gospel fails to be taken to the world because there's not a backup plan. But the beauty of plan A is that God is choosing to reach people through people who have already been reached. 
I mean, that's you and me. We're the plan. And it comes down to what we call in Scripture the Great Commission. So after Jesus' resurrection from the grave, we know that he spent 40 days appearing to his disciples in a variety of different ways and offering final teachings on how they should live as members of his kingdom and take the gospel to the rest of the world. Near the end of that period, before he ascended back to heaven, Jesus challenged his followers with some powerful words. And today we often refer to this as the Great Commission. So if you have your Bibles, I would challenge you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at verse 18 through 20. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. But you know, interestingly enough, the Great Commission isn't the only time that Jesus commissioned his disciples before returning to heaven. Each gospel contains its own version of Jesus giving the mission to those who chose to follow him. So we just read out of the book of Matthew. So now we're going to flip over to the book of Mark and we're going to be looking at chapter 16, verse 15 through 16. And Jesus says, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And if you flip over one more book to the book of Luke, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24, verse 45 through 49. And Jesus says, Then he opened opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth my promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. And last but not least, we'll look at the book of John. We're going to be looking at chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said, excuse me, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, then they have been retained. Even the book of Acts contains a set of instructions from Jesus, which many people believe was part of the same conversation when he delivered the Great Commission. So this is Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. It is not for you to know the times of which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And I really just like those verses because you see that consistently throughout the Gospels and even in the book of Acts where Jesus is calling us to step out of our comfort zone and to take this free gift of salvation, this free gift of eternal life, and spread it to those who desperately, desperately need it. So what's the point that I'm trying to make here? Well, I think it'd be best if I gave you a real-world example. I work in a school system. I actually happen to be a school principal. And this has been a challenging year, to say the least. Um, we've had the COVID-19 pandemic. We've had a number of different rules and procedures in schools that we've never had before. 
Needless to say, I found myself um, figuring out COVID statistics to turn into my district office. I found myself installing plexiglass, moving furniture around, making sure that students come into school wearing a mask. These are things that I never thought in my wildest imagination I would be doing as a school principal. I've been so incredibly busy this year in my role as a principal that as I wound down and got to the end of this school year, I very quickly recognized that I I really didn't do a very good job of uh, paying attention to my most central mission, my, my primary responsibility as a school principal, and that was to make sure that students are getting very good quality instruction in the classroom. I mean, I did it when I could. I went and did as many observations as I could, but oftentimes I was sidetracked and distracted by all of these other things that were in my peripheral, but they were important things nonetheless. Now, I'm blessed where I'm at. I'm surrounded by wonderful teachers at a school uh, that I work at, and I know that with or without my supervision, they're going to do a great job and they're going to make the right decisions by students. So that in and of itself is a blessing. But my point here is that I was so incredibly distracted by everything that was going on in the world around me and all of these new challenges that showed up in a school that it took my focus off of my central mission as a school principal. And that's exactly what the Great Commission is to Christ followers. It's our central mission. Uh, It's the mission that governs our lives as followers of Jesus. And if we're not careful in the same way that I lost sight of the centrality of my mission as a principal, Christians can lose sight of the centrality of their mission as Christ followers, especially amidst all of the distractions that are out there in the world in which we live. Like I look in the world today, I see so many distractions, many of them politically in nature, um, that, that just draw our attention away from what's important. We very quickly choose sides. We choose the right or the left, and we, we take our mind and our sight and our heart off of the central mission of what it is to be a Christ follower. Because of all of these different distractions, the world has never been short of distractions. And this is concerning because when we as Christ followers lose sight of what is most vital, most urgent, and most significant, Satan loves that. He loves nothing more than a sleepy saint that fails to fulfill the Great Commission. And what we have to understand about the Great Commission, the Great Commission is everyone in the world, drawing back to that great big number that we started this podcast with, 7,800,000,000 people that have a soul that are going to spend eternity somewhere. And we as Christ followers have this life-saving gospel that we can share with them in hopes that they would receive it and they would ultimately be saved. And that's people right around us, people that we interact with every single day. We're on a road that either leads to everlasting joy with God or we're on a road that leads to everlasting suffering away from the love of God. Not just in eternity, but people around us right now on this earth who have this God-sized vacuum in their hearts that only love, grace, and the mercy of God through the gospel can feel. And what, what did Jesus tell us to do? Jesus told us to go. Go and make disciples among the nations. He didn't say go endorse political parties and their candidates and and hope that they can change the world and that should be your ultimate aim. No, our ultimate aim is to make disciples among the nations. That is the ultimate mission of our life. So my question today is as a Christ follower, 
are you making disciples? Because when we look at how Jesus interacted in his three years of ministry, we look at how he interacted with those closest to him. When we look at how he interacted with the lost souls of the world, we see disciple making. Now, we see a share of people that did not follow Jesus. We see a share of people that that crucified him and rejected him. And that's going to happen. We're going to be rejected, too, even in our attempts to make disciples. But we also see Jesus make disciples, which in turn go and make even more disciples. That's the beauty of the disciple-making process, is it never stops with you. It always continues with new believers and new members who are added to the family of God. So that's what I want to kind of bound into before our next podcast. I'm very excited about our next podcast. We're going to go from having just, you know, and and many times in the past we've just had one uh, guest host, but next week we're going to have several guest hosts all at once, and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to make disciples. But before we close up this podcast, I would just want to pray a special prayer for all of those listening right now who have heard me say and ask that tough question, and it hits to the heart of the matter and it, it, it sometimes is a question that can hurt feelings or that can step on toes, but I'm going to ask it again because it's been the question that has driven the force behind this podcast in many ways for me. Are you, as a Christ follower, actively making disciples? Are you making disciples? Because that's exactly what Christ has called us to do. And if you're not making disciples, I've got great news for you. We're going to come back next week on this podcast, and we're going to talk about some practical things that you can do, biblically-based things that you can do to make disciples among all the nations, just as Christ calls us to do. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for how it convicts and how it exposes sin in our life. I thank you for how it challenges us to be better than than what we try to be and what we try the identity that we try to make for ourselves. I thank you, Father God, for your perfect will for our life and for the great commission, for the opportunity that you challenge us even in this moment right now to make disciples of the nations. So God, I pray that you would refocus us right now, even in this moment today in our lives and in our families, in our churches and in our nation. And whatever nation our listeners may be in, whether you live in the United States or some other country, God, I pray that you will help us to be more concerned about the spread of the gospel in all nations, more concerned than we've ever been, more concerned about our uh, spreading the gospel than we are our political preferences, more concerned about the spread of the gospel even rather than the good of our own nation. Father God, help us to centralize the spread of the gospel in our hearts and in our minds. God, I pray that the gospel would be spread in all nations, and it would be our driving and our supreme aim and our central mission as followers of you. Father God, I thank you so much for this listening audience. They wouldn't be listening if they weren't trying to grow closer to you and, and to experience what it means to be a Christ follower. And I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to follow you, that you don't abandon us, that you don't reject us because we've done so many wrong things and we've been such a sinful people that you could, if you wanted to, just turn your back on us and just cast us aside as a flawed piece of creation. But Father God, instead, you rise us up from the ash heap, you forgive our sins, and you give us the opportunity like you did those disciples, those fishermen from so long ago, to follow you and to learn from you. And I pray that we will continue to study your word so that we might become better disciple makers 
like you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Running With God podcast, more than nominal Christianity. Send us an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com.